Ah, uh, we are on live. Welcome everybody to episode 14 and certainly the first episode of the new year in 2021. I'm Matt Grimmer and welcome to Zoomcast and to kick things off for uh, the new year, we've gone to the very top. Uh, we've got Australian real estate royalty that joins us this morning uh, from the coast. Geez, he looks very relaxed and uh, enjoying uh, a little break. I've got James Tosterman on the line. G'day, James. G'day, Matt. Great to uh, great to be part of the front bar, or your equivalent, <laughs> your equivalent thereof. The real estate front bar that might uh, <laughs> that might gain some legs, I reckon. How are you going? Yeah, great. Yeah, had a really good break at Sorrento. Uh, had some quality time with uh, with Jack and Sim and and the family, and had lots of friends to say. It's been great. Went across to Hepburn Springs uh, to stay um, a night uh, earlier in the week and Geelong to see mum. So that's been great. Hepburn Springs was just designed to do something a little bit different and get out of our comfort zone and uh, not be, we've been and spent a lot of time in the peninsula this year with COVID and not that we want to mention that word too often. I think everyone's looking forward to a very different 2021, but you know, it's been a great break so far and still a little bit of time to go. Well done. Well done. Now I see the, uh, the Nike t-shirt on you. You are looking as fit and as trim as uh, most of us, have seen you swagging into the Christmas party. I reckon uh, thirteen or, or fourteen kegs down, if I'm not mistaken. How uh, COVID's been kind to you probably from a health perspective? To, probably closer to yeah, probably closer to twelve ish now uh, with the uh, <laughs> exploits of Christmas. But uh, yeah, no, I feel heaps better. Just um, eating better than I normally do, and a lot more exercise. So I'm going to go for a walk shortly, and um, and it's obviously easy down here, and certainly with weather like today. But you know, I feel a lot better and I'm certainly fitting to close. I haven't for three or four years and that's without any exaggeration. So, yeah, and I feel, um, yeah, different man, but uh, I think my wife would like me to lose a bit more, Matt, so I've got to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about accountability, James, isn't it? I uh, yeah. uh, I struggle with that part of uh, of the world, but hopeful, uh, hopeful we'll do something better in... Uh, in yeah, in- no, it is. It's boring. I'd be lying if it didn't say I'm a shocking sweet tooth. So I, uh, I love my chocolate and, yeah, hate, I won't give a long list of things I enjoy that I've not been able to enjoy for a while. But um, yeah, so the last two, probably three weeks, I've been a little lax. So um, I'm going to have to up the ante again soon, but that's a lot better. Yeah, well done. Well done. Um, James, you've done a lot of uh, podcast interview training. A lot of people hear your name and go, oh, I'm about to get a few nuggets of gold in terms of what I might uh, might learn uh, to implement into my business. We'll certainly touch on some of those points would be remiss of us not to, but a part of what um, Zoomcast has been about is um, is getting to know the person behind the person and sort of uncovering your journey uh, throughout the industry. Um, I want to take it right back where, where you were born, where you went to school, uh, what you were like as a kid, what your relationship with your parents were like, uh, and then moving through to eventually becoming the top performing estate agent that, uh, that you are today and that you have been for a very, very long time. Can you take the viewers back to uh, to where it all began? Yeah, I was born in um, St. George's Hospital in Cotham OQ and uh, Halloween, baby, 1966. So uh, 50, uh, 55 this year. It's frightening, mate. But anyway, um, still feel great. Still feel uh, like I've got the energy of someone in their 20s, um, quite seriously. But we grew up in North Bourne and I love that. I mean, I look at the suburb now and 
Uh, obviously, there are aspects of oh, I've got to be careful because some people, of course, might currently live in Northbourne listening to this. But um, let's just Go say on. it's a very different, <laughs> very different suburb now. Um, but I lo- loved it. Um, Dad's mother had a pharmacy at, uh, near the corner of Belmore and Baldwin Road and had it from 1949. And that was very unusual to have a, a female pharmacist in those days. So she was an integral part of our lives when she was alive. And Dad literally, literally lived above the shop. And um, so, yeah, no, that's where we started. Went to Northbourne Primary uh, from prep to grade six. Merrill Kindergarten, Northbourne before that. Uh, through to Baldwin High for a couple of years. Kerry for four, uh, Kerry for from year nine uh, in, in Q, obviously. So I had a good mix, really, but I only went to Kerry because my grandfather or grandparents, they paid for the school fees. So, um, yeah, so they, um, I was very fortunate. Mum and dad didn't have the money to send um, Haim, Sarah and I to, to private schools. So that was great. Um, as a kid, it'll surprise you, Matt. I was um, the chief organiser with footy and cricket at primary school. We'd get there. I think school started at nine, but we'd be always there around quarter to eight, eight, sometimes 7.30, and we'd have the cricket and footy matches. I was the self-appointed captain of one of the teams. Not on ability, I might hastily add. Um, I was always very um, much the one that marshaled the troops. And uh, right. uh, yeah, it was good though. I, I, I loved primary school and I loved, um, I loved Baldwin High. I probably loved Baldwin High more than, uh, than Kerry, to be honest, even though my best mate's from Kerry and got some great friendships from Kerry. I really enjoyed the Baldwin High. We used to play... Um, soccer and they stuck me in goals because I couldn't move swiftly enough on the field and I thought with my size I might block the goals a bit but I wasn't <laughs> agile enough so that was a problem but um, yeah no we used to play uh, which is probably not so politically correct nowadays but we played Wonks versus the Aussies and they annihilated us mate the Greeks and Italians would just absolutely weave the ball or it was on a string and um, would embarrass the Aussies but uh, great memories struggled with school I was no star student um far from it uh i enjoyed school but it was probably more the sport and the social aspects and played footy and rowing uh rowing was great for the camaraderie uh, just i guess a smaller crew you know when when you want to want one of ace plus the cox uh that was a lot of fun uh, again i was yeah. no star really at anything to be honest mate i i, I got through hsc's it was then known vce yeah but yeah i wasn't a great student i worked hard in my last year but i cruised a bit really but yeah, I wouldn't. I've got um, like to think real estate smarts and, and natural intelligence for what I do professionally, but I certainly didn't excel at, um, academically. Yeah. But yeah, sport wise, loved it and um, played with as many footy teams and played a bit of cricket, tennis, but yeah, wasn't a star in any of them really. But I enjoyed the participation part of it. What, what did you want to do? And maybe maybe it was real estate, but, but what did you want to do when you were a kid? Did you, did you ever think about um, a different professional career before doing what you do now? Uh, well, I used to build a lot of Lego houses, mate. So mum was convinced I was going to be an architect. but right. um, uh, And, of course, I ended up selling them. But, uh, no, I think probably um, we were talking about it a couple of nights ago to some friends. What would you have done if you absolutely had a choice in life, right. you know, and things had worked out differently? And it was sports commentary, um, AFL. Well, probably not just AFL. I'm in a Bruce McAvaney-type role. Not quite as annoying as Bruce can be on occasions with his <laughs> high-pitched voice. But, um Dennis Committee, uh, I always thought, you know, how, how smooth is his voice? But that would have been a lot of fun. And because I love AFL uh, and my beloved Blues, I, it would have been an easy job to me. It wouldn't have felt like work. So I wanted to do that. When I left school, I was thinking something very, very boring in terms of banking and finance or something as a course. But because my marks weren't amazing, I would have lasted five minutes in that, mate. I love dealing with people and 
that I don't know, that would have been a nightmare for me. So I just, um, yeah, wouldn't have enjoyed it. But dad actually suggested when I was getting towards the end of my year 12, that I get into real estate, spoke to a couple of friends of his and got a start with a company called Armstrong and Chapman and High Street Armadale, where Blackburn and Lockwood still are today. I think they still are. Um, so I started there and uh, I had a lot of changes actually in my career. I couldn't settle down. I'd get to the top of Mount Everest and look around and think, well, you know, I've achieved that and which wasn't that amazing in those days. I was no star performer, but I kept chopping and changing. So it was really only um, when I got to Marshall White, I mean, nearly 17 years at Marshall White, that I settled into a groove and, and stayed somewhere. But yeah, so I was a bit probably directionless, like a lot of people uh, when they're 16, 17, 18. But yeah, sports country would have been good. But I think I've probably done better in real estate than even sports commentary. So it's worked out well. I'd hate to, uh, well, those that know you know that you're a mad psycho Carlton supporter. I'd hate to hear you commentate a Carlton game. Uh, I remember that. Brett, Brett Ratton used to clap and cheer on the sidelines when he um, was a coach of the Blues, and I wouldn't have been able to restrain myself. I know Eddie McGuire's criticised for uh, being a little biased during the Collingwood matches. I think I would have been, um, it would have been a disaster. But mind you, the Blues haven't had too much success in the last 25 odd years, so it wouldn't have been that bad, Matt. But um, no, it would have been great. It would have been really enjoyable. But uh, I've still feel very blessed for you know what I chose to do in the end, and you know 35 odd years in, it's been uh, yeah, been an amazing journey for me. I've been very fortunate. Yeah, it's amazing to hear that. That's exactly what I wanted to do as a kid. I wanted to be a um, a sports journalist or a commentator or uh, be on radio or, or something like that. So uh, we've got a little connection there. And uh, indeed, I've got a good a good mate that has done it, Ian Cohen, and he's uh, done a lot with Channel Seven and and uh, on radio. And uh, he, he really enjoys it. Obviously, like a lot of people, he's had challenging year this year. But uh, no, it would have been so much fun, I think. And just the, uh, what I do like about Bruce McAvaney is how versatile he is. Um, yeah. You couldn't uh, criticise the guy for that. I mean, he can be a little irritating sometimes with his football commentary. But horse racing, as you know, and with the, with the Olympics uh, and with the tennis, he's very um, adapt. He can adapt to different sports. And I think his knowledge of sports is unbelievable. Like he's... Uh, I mean, he doesn't get handed a slip of paper. He does his research, and I, I, I don't know. I like, I admire someone like that because he's so well prepared. Yeah. Whereas someone like Brian Taylor, who screams into the microphone, and the old Rex Hunt, and some people love them, but they used to drive. Well, BT still drives me completely bananas. Does he? So, don't like it. Uh, don't like it. I don't like yeah. Brian Taylor yeah. and Luke Darcy's. Um, yeah, I won't get going on a few of the commentators <laughs> I don't like. Let's just say Dennis Committee was as smooth as they come. Oh, yeah. And when I was growing up, Peter Landy and too young for you, mate, but Peter Landy and oh, Lou Richards were yep. were iconic uh, with their commentary. And to listen to them, even now with some of the replays, um, uh, you know, I used to love watching um, the Channel 7 um, uh, and the winners, uh, Drew Morford and Tim Lane. And Tim Lane's still one of my favourites. I reckon Tim Lane's uh, got the dulcet tones. So, Yep. No, well done. The um, you, you talked about your start in real estate briefly what were you like uh, we all know how good you are now and uh there'd be a lot of people that would be listening to this james that would be in the first five or, or six years of their real estate career tell me what was james tosman like uh, as a as a youngster um in a real estate office trying to make a name for himself uh, in, in that part of town in armadale where you started yeah, I was uh, impatient, which will surprise you. Uh, <laughs> I was methodical. I used to have the uh, diary notes that I was known for, and uh, I'd write into my diary the 8, 10, 15, 20 people before, uh, before uh, computers and, and something like we've got today with Box and Dice before that became the norm. But I really didn't achieve much for the first eight or nine years, forgetting my three years in property management. 
uh, yeah, probably about yeah, about eight years, I think, in sales before I achieved much. But I finally went to a well, there wasn't really um, much sales training in those days. John McGrath was the first one I went to at the old Chaucer's, which is now, um, of course, a block of apartments. Um, so I went, um, I went to that, and that transformed my life. And a guy, Glenn Cortino, also transformed my professional career with uh, all that he knew about real estate. And um, yeah, a few people used to be a little bit critical of Glenn, but um, he had some brilliant ideas. He was really ahead of his time when it came to, you know, employing people and. Um, he was, he was great. So, yeah, so look, I struggled away, but I think the market wasn't kind to me late 80s and to anyone, late 80s, around 1990, uh, just into early the early 90s, a, a challenging period in real estate. But uh, yeah, I worked for a company, Carmichael and Weber, for a few years, and they were good, but they didn't have a, a great profile. But Ian Carmichael was a great boss. I really liked uh, working with Ian. And my first sales manager was a guy, Peter Saligari, um, and I worked with James Redfern and his business partner at the time, Clinton Roberts. So what very few people would know, Matt, is that James Redfern actually let me go, um, sack me. There's no easy way to say it. Is that right? Um, he sacked me. So uh, <laughs> I was I'd just come back from um, honeymoon on my first, or well, so first marriage. It makes it sound like I've been married five times, only twice, thank God. But um, yeah, just came back and he said, look, we can't afford you. We're going to have to let you go. We think we can do what you're doing. And um, yeah, so if James listens to this, he'll be a little embarrassed. But, but where he's one of my closest friends. I rate him, of course, very highly as a person, yeah. uh, first and foremost, but as an agent second. And um, yeah, so it didn't work out uh, with James. So yeah, it still provides some mirth to some of my friends that he let me go all those years ago. So yeah, so you can see I had some ups and downs, but Really, when I joined Jealous Craig, that's when it began, really began to happen for me. And Richard Jealous is certainly, um, you know, one of my all-time favourite bosses. He's had a, he had a huge influence on my career and um, he's just a great guy. He's a great guy to this day and uh, everyone loved him at Jealous Craig when we were there. But it was sad that really the company was never the same when he left and he got, he became unwell and it was never the same organisation, which is a bit after I left. Um, so, but yeah, the mistake I made was... Uh, probably the biggest mistake I made in my career was for a number of years, just looking for something, a, a different challenge. And I just couldn't sell them to a groove. And yeah, so that was the biggest mistake. I had my time over, but I did learn from some great people. And that was something that I've always tried to instill in people with my sales training, try to learn something from everyone that you work with. Not all that they do will appeal to you, but there's going to be a number of things that do. And yeah, that's where I was really lucky. I had, I worked with some very talented people through to Marshall White, as you know, where this, the caliber of people we you know, well, look, there's, there's great operators throughout the company. But if you look at our top 20, I can't imagine the top 20 would rate other than McGrath's that compare with anyone in Australasian real estate. So that's where we've got great depth to our talent. And, well, I've been really lucky. But, you yeah, know, I was a struggler really for years, in my opinion. But uh, I managed to make some changes to my business. And, and they said um, a lot of people were very influential with that. Yeah. A little bit to unpacking that, James. The first part I, I want to touch on. So you said... It, it, in your opinion, or for your career personally, it took about eight years before you started to make uh, some money or some inroads and uh, and start to have some success. What what happened specifically, if anything, at that eight year mark? Was it um, uh, you seeking out uh, some some mentorship or some training? Uh, was it just natural progression in terms of your skill set getting better, uh, knowledge of the area? Was it all of that? Uh, James Redfern taught me some great lessons around discipline. Um, and uh, also, I mean, even something simple like how I kept my desk, he'd come in and he'd 
he'd wipe it with a cloth, you know, to make sure there was no dust on the on the desk and the phone and everything had to be in its place. So yeah. from simple things like that to um, the preparation he did for listings, for what he did in the listing situation, through to John McGrath. John McGrath is still, I regard him as an iconic figure in real estate and someone that's had a huge influence on my career. And the, and the first Arax, Matt, had an enormous impact on me, yeah. listening to Bob Wolf, who still remains my favourite speaker, along with Phil Harris. They're my favourite two real estate agents I've ever met. Uh, I always say, Phil, you know, Bob Wolf makes me look like I'm in a coma when I do. Um, I reckon I'm energetic, but Bob Wolf takes it to another level. He's uh, a He's unique individual. Yep. And Phil Harris is just the ultimate. He's just a consummate professional. I just love that. Love the guy. Um, you know, professionally, he's just he's just a genuinely nice human being. Um, uh, so that I, I think the training was great. John McGrath, I guess, through his own training and through Eric, had the biggest influence. And um, and obviously uh, also um, Glenn, as I mentioned earlier, Glenn had a big impact as well. Um, so those are, those are probably the main things. But a lot of people ask me what was the trigger. The biggest trigger for me is I, at the time I didn't want to earn. I mean, we struggled when we grew up financially. I mean, we got by, but it wasn't easy. And I always thought, look, I just don't want that sort of life where I thought, you know, um, and I did have that life for years, of course, because I've just told you I struggled for the first eight years, but I didn't want to earn a hundred thousand that I, I didn't want to earn only a hundred thousand and be capped at that for years and years and years in real estate. I've always loved the fact that the money was unlimited. Uh, if you're good enough. So that drove me, to be honest, to, to get better. But never in my wildest dreams would I thought, if I look at, you know, where I am today in terms of how blessed I am with the company I'm with, the people I'm surrounded by, and I guess the kids, you know, from family size through um, to, to the house that I'm sitting at right now in Sorrento, um, I would never have imagined that life if I was totally blunt. I mean, I had goals and aspirations, but yeah, I, I think I've certainly um, been fortunate enough to surpass those things, which is great. So. Yeah. And James, those those who know you, particularly in Marshall White circles, know that um, despite you doing what you've done in the industry, um, I think more than three decades in it, uh, the past five years have been in the top three in Australia in those REB rankings that, that come out. You're well regarded and, and well known by anybody who's been in the industry for at least 12 months would have heard the name James Tostevin. You still spring out of bed uh, January 8, 2021, with as much energy and passion and enthusiasm for what you do as anybody uh, that, that I've ever seen, um, are, are you sick? Are you mental? Or is this, I know. I know. It's funny, uh, funny you say that. I got asked years and years ago at sales training. Um, a woman put up her hand and she said, um, do you mind me asking if you take uppers? Because uh, she, couldn't, she couldn't believe my energy level. She said, you've got to take pills of some variety because it's not normal. And, well, that was in my 30s when she answered that, uh, asked that oh. question and I answered it. Um, but, no, nothing artificial, not even a coffee to start the day, which um, – Yeah, no, I don't like hot drinks, which is again a quirky little fact about me. I don't like coffee or tea or hot chocolate or hot. I don't even like hot soup. I don't like hot soup. I don't like hot liquid of any description. Um, So I don't need a heart starter. Uh, No, I've always had a ridiculous amount of energy. I drink Calcedo. One of my new business partners said, um, he said recently, I've got the energy of someone in my 20s. And um, I think even that's being unkind of me. A lot of people in their 20s couldn't even keep up with me. So <laughs> no, I, I work uh, bizarre hours. I work hours that people don't see. But that's, um, yeah, it's, it's not to pat myself on the back, Matt. I just uh, have a great love for what I do and I really enjoy it. And, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know, I just get energised by what I do. But at times, like when I'm on holiday, I enjoy holidays with the best of them. And I know we won't be able to do it for a while, but going overseas is a huge motivator for me. Um, yeah. Italy's my favourite country. We're having... 
chat to some friends last night. We said, what state would you live in in Australia if you were barred from living in Melbourne, Victoria? What country would you live in if you were barred from Australia? So, yeah, that for me is pretty easy. I'd live in Noosa, without a doubt. And I'd live in Italy if I was barred from Australia. Um, so but, so the, what I'm saying is the holidays for me in Italy, anywhere really in Europe is in particular, um, and the US, I, re- I enjoy traveling full stop. I haven't done much in Asia, but I'm a great, great Europe man. So that's been a huge motivator for me uh, to get me out of bed. And as I think you're aware, I went to the Super Bowl with Charlie and Ed, yeah. my twin sons who are 28, to Miami, to Florida um, earlier this year. And we were, oh, sorry, earlier last year. We were so lucky. That was just before the catastrophic COVID. And um, yeah, before that, Hawaii and Europe. I had a great 2019, but that seems like a very distant memory. But I've been lucky enough to go to the Super Bowl twice and, had my 50th with 80 members of my family in the south of France. So the other things that honestly um, motivate me, and just providing a great life for Sim and, and my six kids, that's been a massive, a huge driver. But, uh, yeah, it's insane how much I love what I do. It's actually quite sick, really. But well, I, I, I love it. So You've answered the question beautifully. Um, you, do you like to be, James, do you like to be the guy who who helped or who added some, some value so the family will look back... Um, from a legacy perspective and say, well, James, James gave us this, or we went on that great trip. Do you remember that? And that's important to you uh, beneath the, the surface of just simply uh, the dollars. I think Matt, the thing that's great about holidays and to me with your kids and, and now the older five are 25 to 30. So they're not as interested in dad uh, as, as much anymore. But I think the last, well, the, even the last family trip we did to, to New York and to Las Vegas and to Orlando and, and to the Bahamas was great because I think of those trips and, and we went to Hawaii about half a dozen times. You actually get to communicate with your kids because uh, in those days, there probably wasn't quite the reliance on devices right. of um, various descriptions. And, and kids are very distracted by that nowadays and getting them to concentrate even on a conversation at dinner. But let's put the, fo- the phones down during dinner. So Matt, that would be probably one of my happy memories. And Sorrento is a happy place for me. The beach house I've got is the happiest place for me in the world, um, without a doubt. So those memories are really, really important to me. Um, just being a great dad, it's a bit corny and cliched, but that's really important. Um, through, you know, that being a mentor to a lot of uh, real estate agents at Marshall White, I mean, that's the legacy I certainly want to leave professionally. I want people to look back and say, they learned a huge amount from me and I was able to fast track their success in real estate. So yeah, professionally and personally, they're the things that have driven me. And um, now I've got Jack. I mean, it's, I'd probably say it's given me a second chance to be a dad because the first five I was 24 to 29 and I didn't get to probably spend quite as much time as would have liked to see them growing up because I was establishing my career as a young man. But um, at 49, when Jack was born through to to his five in April, um, it's been great, you know, having a time with him, but I'd like to have more time with him. So that'll be how my life and career evolves moving forward, having more time. Well, I certainly hope it does. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. For a man who's got as much energy and enthusiasm about what he does as you do, I think um, COVID certainly put the brakes on on everybody in some way, shape or form. I, I was curious, fast forwarding to last year, um, how you approached the COVID world in addition to having the new office uh, down at Mount Eliza kick off. So uh, Marshall White people will know it, but for those who are listening uh, from afar that may not be aware, uh, you're heading up a new office at, at Mount Eliza and um, you, you've got uh, got a big team there behind you as well. Yeah, well, that's probably the, the thing that's been different, Matt. Well, certainly COVID was the first part of your question. Yeah, I did a lot of sales training. 
Um, that was a, a big focus, um, as in listening to a lot of training and doing a lot of training. Um, so that was great. And then um, uh, I didn't, I don't think any of us could have worked completely full-time if we wanted to. I did a lot of prospecting nurture calls, but as I discussed during the training I did at the time, it wasn't really prospecting. It was more nurture calls and checking in on people. And the conversation would ine inevitably drift to real estate, but you know, it was all about, if you remember, I spoke about it till Harris, heaps of agents spoke about it, being a human being first and real estate agent second. So that was really important. Uh, but I did have some great time with Jack and Sim. I didn't work Saturdays for about six months. So that was um, bizarre, but great. I mean, I loved it. It was fantastic. Uh, Charlie picked up a lot of the slack through um, the period of time that we could. And that was great for me. And as he said, starting a new office was terrific, although we were frustrated because we were ready to go early August. But again, that was the least of everyone's concerns. And that's what people forget sometimes. You, you talk about how it affected us all professionally, but what about all the people that lost people, uh, you know, brothers, sisters, parents, and their, you know, that was horrific. So I think we're quick to talk about how it affected us individually. And was I frustrated? Yeah, I was bloody frustrated. And I, I can't say I was a great Dan Andrews fan, but let's not spend much time on that. I think they've made some catastrophic decisions, which um, really uh, resulted in a lot of people um, dying. And there's no easy way to say it, but they, it did. So I think uh, our state compared to the rest of Australia handled it very poorly. But again, I don't want to get too bogged down on that topic, but I did want to uh, just escape for a while. I, I wish I'd done a Paul Gregory and escaped to Noosa and made phone calls from up there. But by the time I probably got my act together, uh, it was too late. And I did feel the responsibility of that new office, Matt, you're right. Because um, yeah. we did a lot of recruiting. The average Malizer office has got one or two salespeople. We've got, you know, 11, 12. So it's very different. Uh, but we've started with a real you know, a flurry of listings and sales. And I think we've built some great early momentum. But I'm also spending some time back in my heartland in Burundara. So I've sort of managed to combine both. But I'll have to see how I can juggle that moving forward because I'm, it's really stretched me. October, November, December. It's been a um, – sorry, the gardeners in the background. Mate, I might have to move. Oh, you've got the whippersnapper going. Um, yeah, that's really tested me um, at times, but um, I think I've just been I've been locked out, so I might, might have to just stay here for a moment. Anyway, um, yeah, so that that was hard, but um, I've enjoyed. Is that annoying? That noise? You want no, me to get away from it? No, I can hear you fine. Um, so yeah, so we um, uh, yeah, that COVID I probably just found a bit mentally challenging in terms. Like all of us, I love I'm an extrovert. I love seeing friends and family, so I didn't see mum and dad and my kids for older kids. Yeah. for a long period of time so that was really frustrating but it's that i appreciate everyone was in the same boat well let's say the kids at home they're in the same boat yeah but i kept myself uh, occupied i watched an obscene amount of netflix but i watched it at night not like some people who watched it during the day which was bloody embarrassing uh and uh yeah a couple of favorites mate some people watch these little pissy series of five and ten and that's nothing i watched um I watched all the narcos. Uh, all the, I, I was a drug king in another world, mate. Uh, <laughs> I watched uh, nearly 200 uh, drug cartel shows. Is that right? Uh, and then uh, a couple of Turkish ones, mate, which very few people have heard of. Winter Sun, 50. And then Black Money Love, 164. So, marathon. I had uh, Netflix fatigue after the 164. So, that was 45 minutes an episode. We worked out the other day. That was 200 and something hours of my life. Five days. Five wow. days of television. So, yeah. But I watch it at night and I'd uh, do it till midnight, one o'clock in the morning. And I'd binge watch, you know, watch five, six, seven in a row. And anyway, but, and I did a lot of exercise. So you talked about it before, but that's how I got fitter because Sim, uh, Simmy and my wife wouldn't let me go to the supermarket. And I'm not exaggerating because I put some chocolate and some crap in the, uh, 
in the in the in the supermarket uh, in the in the basket, and I wasn't even allowed to put petrol in the car, mate, because she knew what I'd do. I'd grab a chocolate bar, so she'd come with me to the petrol station. So it wasn't just my self-discipline; it was my wife as well. So I've got her to thank. I've never met Sim, but I reckon I could do a Zoom cast just with her about uh, uh, managing uh, or, or hearing about your world behind the scenes. It's, uh... oh, she give you she give you a very different perspective. But it's fine for people like that, mate. She's forty seven kilos and she's five foot tall, and uh, uh, it's fine for someone like that to comment because she's so bloody. She's like uh, a little um, little Tinkerbell, mate. So a little uh, my little pocket rocket, my wife. So yeah, no, she um, she was great though. But without her. You know, it's so easy to fall into traps, as you know, especially when you're having a lot of time at home, just to eat. Yeah. Um, but no, that that was good. But yeah, I could still lose more. As I said, I'm not I'm not getting complacent. Uh, there's a few people at Master One, as you know, that set very high standards. Um, but I'll never be a Stewie Evans. Um, that guy's uh, off the Richter scale in terms of fitness and uh, his uh, body strength. A little different to the Mark Damons of the world. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I was going to have uh, Stewie Evans will get a run on this at some stage, but I just got to ensure the screen's wide enough to fit in the, uh, the biceps. <laughs> Those biceps. Uh, I saw him on New Year's Eve and uh, a picture of health and fitness, of course. And uh, I saw Buff as well. Yeah, I'd have to say the reverse <laughs> of that. But um, we all love the big man. Uh, he was missed at uh, the Christmas party 2020 because we miss his, uh, his humour and uh, his backhanders. And being one of Buff's people, Matt, I've got to say, it's been one of the highlights of my life. Yeah, uh, no doubt. Very fortunate. He's a very, very funny man. I'm conscious he's standing up with a whippersnipper in the background. I don't want to keep you too long, but... That's okay. It's fine, 2021, it's, it's the start of a new year. I wanted to get you on uh, specifically uh, this week, knowing that most estate agents are going to start their year professionally on Monday. Um, I'm curious, James, by nature, what, what's... Um, what do you do typically to gear yourself up for another year? I, I know um, uh, Luke Savile and I are very good friends. And prior to me starting at Marshall White, I was with uh, uh, franchise an LJ Hooker franchise in the Western suburbs. And Luke and I would stay connected with one another all the time. He, he's a great young estate agent and uh, he's always always been kind enough to, uh, to help me with, with some stuff in my career. And he used to tell me about the goals that you would write at the end of of each year and they were they were bloody substantial in terms of um, pages and pages of notes and, and goals. For those who don't know, can you touch on how you put your goal list together, how, how it looks throughout the year in terms of reviewing it and how you actually set up for a new year? Yeah, I'm, uh, you were complimentary about my abilities before. I, I regard myself as a fading star, Matt. So <laughs> I used to... Um, I used to achieve some great things. I'm not sure if I achieved quite what, quite what I used to, and I'm not saying that to be modest. I, um, I, I have a love for what I do, as I've said numerous times today, but I do have some other priorities now. So, yeah, the goals I did for years, it's called my commitment plan, and it's comprehensive, and anyone at Marshall White is more than welcome to get a copy of that. It's, it's pretty detailed. Um, and, and you've got to slot in some numbers, but I used to be very driven by listing numbers and sales numbers and, and of course, gross business. And gross business is really the thing that, again, is a big, a big driver for me. But... You know, as Mads Kennedy said to me um, a few times as a friend, not as a colleague, you know, you've got nothing left to prove. Stop bloody uh, killing yourself. Stop working so hard. And, yeah, so I enjoy uh, success and I am still driven, but I, I don't need to go at the same pace and that, I, that I once did. And so tying back to goals, um, they're there. They're a part of my life um, very much. But I, I don't write probably pages of new notes. It's probably more tinkering and adjusting what I've done before. Right. Um would be my answer. And how do I hit the ground running? I learned something from Michael Sheargold 
years ago. And that's when you come back from holiday, a lot of people sort of ease their way back in. Ideally, if you can have a lot of appointments set up for that first day, it compels you to get off to a flying start. You've got no choice because you've got commitments from day one. Uh, for me, you, you know, I can slip back into the groove with prospecting. Um, and I've already set a plan in place for that 18th, 19th and 20th because, you know, the 21st, we've got our fire up, which yep. I always yep. love being part of. So, so I'm going to have three massive days, certainly a lot of prospecting, nurture calls, but also a number of appointments. And uh, I think the other thing is, which I appreciate it's too late now, but finishing the year strongly, a lot of people put up the shutters a bit too early. And I don't think many people did that late last year because they couldn't afford to because we were all so busy. But that's always really important not to hit the, uh, not to slow down in that first week of December, to finish really, really hard. And I listed something on Christmas Eve, you know, so that sort of type of mentality has served me well. Um, but being organised, you know, everyone thinks in Australia it's corny having goals about the car you want to aspire to driving or the holiday you want to go on or the holiday house you want to own or the house you want to um, upgrade to. Um, it's not corny at all. I think some people have achieved some great things in their life by having some goals. So, yeah, but that, that commitment plan has been great. And as I said, it's pretty detailed. So someone would have to, yeah. you know, uh, I think some people will be exhausted by it, to be honest. Yeah. But um, it's just more, they're almost more reminders of key things I'm going to keep doing, not just things I'm setting out to achieve. So, And you break it up, James. There's, there's obviously professional, uh, personal health relationships, um, time with family, all that sort of stuff. It's yeah, all definitely. I mean, James Collin was the one that said, yes, I take Fridays off about five years ago. And I seriously thought he was stark raving mad. I thought, you know, how am I going to fit everything in? I was struggling as it was. But it's amazing if you create disciplines around what you do uh, with time and so on, um, how much you can achieve. And I'm so glad that's it. That's going to or has elongated my career in real estate by having that Friday and having some time with Jack and getting down to the beach house at Sorrento and going to swimming lessons with Jack and just stuff like that. It's been been fantastic. So... Yeah. Uh, yeah, so even that's been really critical. Um, but yes, yeah, as, as I've said numerous times, for me, I get motivated by, um, you know, as James Connell has given me some great life lessons, you know, um, one thing, you'll own something, but you've got to pay down a debt. You've got to, you've got to own your lifestyle, is what he always talks about. And um, and I always survived for years, mate, check to check, check to check. Uh, Shawnee Castle used to say that real estate agents, not just agents, but people in general in life, expand their, their, uh, their lifestyles around what they earn. So in other words, the more you earn, you keep spending and spending and spending. You just, you keep um, aspiring for more, which is great, but you've got to be careful that you don't overspend, which a lot of real estate agents do. It's important for some of them to drive the flashy car as a young person. And uh, yeah, that's a pity um, because sometimes I look at some people, they own a great car, they go on great holidays, which is a fantastic life experience. They don't own a property. I always find that a bit strange in real estate, but that's just my personal view. It's really important to aspire to owning something. And once you own something, to, to pay that property, to pay down the mortgage. As boring as it sounds, yep. how do you get ahead in life? How do you have choices in your life? Well, that's pretty significant in my opinion. Yeah. James, if, if you were if you were an estate agent, uh, that, as I said, that had been in the industry for a couple of years, you'd written in, two, in 2020, uh, you'd written um, 250, 350, 450, 550, and you want to take your business to the next level, the, the market that we're in at the moment suggests that oh, I think there's still a, a great amount of strength in it. We ended the, uh, the end of the year um, incredibly well, and that, that will flow on uh, certainly early 2021. The amount of listings that I've seen coming through from all of the offices already suggests that we're going to start with a bang. 
how, how do you advise that those agents uh, that are writing those sort of numbers take their business to the next level? If, if you had three three points. Uh, it's, a bit, it's a bit broken record stuff, Matt, but I think uh, if I had my time over and, and through to now, I think uh, a mentor, I mean, you asked how I got going. I didn't, uh, I didn't, I, mean, I had probably mentors, plural, but it wasn't someone I really looked to for advice um, enough to, you know, someone to be the guiding light. That's so underestimated by people. They just need someone as a sounding ward and someone they can say, handle this situation. How do you handle that situation? And so that's a huge frustration um, for me that not enough people do that. Uh, going to enough tra training, you know, I can't believe people say, well, I've done Eric for a couple of years. I'll give it a break for a couple of years. Or they go to Eric saying, I'm not going to like every speaker or there's too many speakers. They, there's a, a tough, well, sorry, a poor a year with Eric and then they write Eric off. Um, just, just a, disappoints me. I think you're never going to like every speaker. How many times you walk out of Eric and someone says, I didn't like that speaker at all. And someone says, I love them. So you're not going to be realistic about a two-day conference. Um, and I think there's so much training. We're so lucky with learning and development. Well, James Redfern, and of course we had Sam, who's a, unfortunately a loss to the company, but James has uh, made such a difference to our learning and development. So you've got so many opportunities at our company, which is great. So I think that's still a crucial part of it. But just the discipline, as you know, at an energy uh, around phone calls with clients, because it's, it all starts and ends with that. And of course, time management. So that's interlinked. If you can have good time management, then you'll be a great real estate agent. But, you know, for me, a simple test is if someone wants to be better with time management, people I've mentored, I'll just say to them, show me what you've done uh, or show me what you do do in the next two weeks. Give me a snapshot of your diary for two weeks and I'll work out what you're doing wrong and why you're not getting enough out of every day and out of every week and every fortnight and out of every month. Because there's still too many people that do appointments in the morning. I just don't get it. Uh, there's one time for appointments and that's in the afternoon, unless it's a Thursday, which is open for inspection day, and having structured your day. So look, I've answered it multiple ways, but I think mentor training um, through to a discipline around phone calls and, um, sorry, very annoying that whip is never, um, the, the uh, phone calls through to time management. Not enough agents spend enough time on time management, you know, improving their skills there. So Yeah, well done. Thank, thanks, James. L last one from me, which is a little bit different. Um, uh, appreciate that you're you're uh, certainly well known enough now through your prospecting and nurture calls, where um, that, that's where most of your business is still going to come from. That and and repeat and referral business would be the largest portion of your uh, your real estate year. Uh, a lot a lot of younger agents obviously um, uh, are trying to get a strong presence on social media, and they're standing out in front of properties doing property videos and. We've seen our man Pelios strutting around there in his suits and, and what have you. If you were starting out again now, would you still go to the phone first or do you think it's important? Like would James Tossman be doing property videos at the front of a property saying, G'day guys, welcome to uh, you know, 24 Illawarra Road. Uh, I'm James from Marshall White. Or, or would you simply just be on the phone from, from the get-go? Uh, yeah, sorry about the sun. I'm just trying to get away. These web snippers are annoying me. I um, wouldn't... I. I would still do a lot of phone calls. I, I don't think real estate agents generally belong behind a camera. <laughs> Hang on, James. I'm just uh, just losing you. We need to have some variety, and I reckon it's suited to it. But no jokes. There's some people doing with all of that. But... Uh, 
Um, no, so I wouldn't do uh, necessarily more of that. I James, I just, lost, James I just lost you for uh, for about 30 seconds then. So uh, apologies. I'm just going to have to uh, get you to start that one again. Okay. I was just saying that um, would I do more of it? Um, I do I do some of it. Have you got me back? You I've, got, got, I've got you back. I heard the part where you said some real estate agents uh, don't belong in front of a camera and then it went. Yeah, I'm, I'm behind a microphone and that sort of thing, I guess, was my point. So. Um, no, I do. I definitely do more of it. It's not ever been something I, I could have probably developed it more. And Matt, Pilios and Kate Strickland do an amazing job. They, to me, set the standard. There might be a few others, but it's not that I go through every person at Marshall White to see what they're doing. Um, but I think they, they do a terrific job, uh, obviously. So it still would be an integral part of my career, answering your question, if I was starting off um, or starting again. But I think phone contact, I still think people love personal contact. How many times do you ring a bank or ring a, a council and you get 50 grand to three, four people and, oh, no, this is the person to speak to. Or you ring Origin Energy or you ring any RACV. It doesn't matter who you ring. And you think, okay, well, I've just explained my story to that person. Now I've got to ex uh, explain it to someone else. People have direct personal contact. They love building up a rapport with someone and feeling uncomfortable with someone. And as the great Michael Sheargold always talks about, you know, Frequency of trust, a uh, frequency of contact builds trust and and confidence and belief. I've always uh, stood by that, to be honest. So yeah, that's been a huge part of my career. And if I was starting over again, I'd still it still would be a huge part of what I do. So yeah, yeah. well done. You, you, last one you, you spoke about Netflix earlier. Did you did you get across the uh, the last dance with Michael Jordan when that came out? Yeah, um, sensational. I I um I've never absolutely loved um, basketball. I mean, I love sport. I love you know, footy and, and tennis and cricket and golf. I love all of them, but uh, what an inspiration. But as usual, which is so typical, and it happens more in Australia than America, but it happens the world over. It doesn't happen to Roger Federer, but so many sports men and women are criticised. You know, the tall poppy syndrome, which Australia is, of course, renowned for, not just for people in sport, just generally. But he was, uh, it was still people who criticised the guy, as you know. Uh, for that documentary, but I thought it was outstanding. Uh, I'll happily watch it again. I've deliberately got you know a bit of space between the and I've been but I really enjoyed it. I thought he was just I I love people like that. I, I love success stories. You know, I love people that um, had nothing and they've just built up their careers and done incredibly well in sport or business or whatever they've done, whatever they've chosen to do. Well, the, re the reason I brought it up, and, and I know he's winning NBA championships and we're selling houses in Melbourne, so the context I'm well aware of. There's a lot of traits in Jordan that I reckon you uh, you have shown through your career, through that competitiveness, hunger, desire to get better. Uh, you enjoy the competition. You enjoy going out and, uh, and uh, applying uh, your skill set in the industry, and I think it's evident, and that's where the passion and enthusiasm continues to, uh, to come from. So... Uh, I had some text messages being no, thanks, around that's, uh... during it that said Tostevin and Jordan quite similar. So uh, in terms of their yeah, stuff, right. uh, I've, no, that's very complimentary. Actually, one of the biggest compliments I've ever been given. I did training in Point Cook a couple of years ago to oh, um, and they're mainly about ninety five percent Indian um, crowd. I've lost you for a second. I've got you back. Yeah. Um, have you got me? I do. We're just a bit choppy, but I've got you. I've got you back. Yeah. Um, yeah, 95% Indian crowd. And, and the guy that was running that or owned that company said, um, he can, he, I was the Sachin Tendulkar of real estate. And I thought there's no greater compliment than that from an Indian person in the bloody world because the guy, yeah, so I certainly know. I don't put myself in that legal 
Jordan was a freak. Um, but I just enjoy what I do. And yeah, I guess I get a buzz out of what I do. And yeah, I've had some success along the way. But uh, but yeah, obviously it comes to a lot of people if they put in the time and they are energetic. And energy has been a huge part, a huge driver for me and a huge reason why I've been, uh, I think, successful. But yeah, it's, it's enjoyable, man. That's, that's where it starts and ends really for all of us. As long as you have fun, that's a critical thing. So Well done. Well done. A little little plug for you. I don't know whether you're still doing this um, given the change in office, but I know, James, that uh, one of the things you pride yourself on more than anything is your prospecting and uh, people externally from Marshall White have an opportunity to come and listen to you on the phone for, for a couple of hours. Is that something that you're still, you're still doing? Uh, well, our connection's gone bad, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I can hear you. Okay, no, it is definitely. Um, I definitely do. I definitely. I haven't done. I haven't done any of it uh, in the last quarter of last year. But people are still welcome to do that. And yes, whilst there's a small fee involved, if I don't make a difference to your career, then um, it hasn't been worthwhile coming to listen to me. But no, that, that's there's still be that opportunity in 2021, and I still uh, really get, as I said, great enjoyment out of people learning from me and uh, and becoming better uh, real estate agents. Hopefully, better people as a result of. Um, uh, being um, exposed to the different things that I do professionally, which then have a spin-off with what they do in their personal lives as well, what they aim for, what their goals are, and importantly, how they go about structuring their real estate uh, business. So, yeah, no, definitely. Thanks for the plug. I'm more than happy to um, help anyone in 2021. Fantastic. And is there, uh, is there likely to be another MREC coming up? Can we see one of those back? Uh, I'm not sure. I've probably got a few other priorities now, so unlikely. Um, okay. Unlikely. I've got. So I'm still doing. I still love doing the sales training, but it's not going to be a part of what I do um, in the short term. But I might. I might in due course. We'll see. But not in 2021, and probably not 2022. But we'll see. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a big year and lots of twists and turns for for a lot of people, including me. So we'll uh, we'll see how things unfold. Well done. Well done, James. Uh, thanks for giving us some time. You've kicked off uh, 2021 Zoomcast uh, in, in great style. Uh, you can go and enjoy your, uh, your mansion behind you. And uh, we appreciate you jumping on board and giving us a couple of minutes. Good idea. Thanks, mate. It's, uh, it's enjoy. This is, as I said, my favourite place in the world, mate. It doesn't matter about the size. This is where I relax the most. And that's where I'm, I'm happiest. And I'm, I'm around my family and friends. So that's, uh, that's what I enjoy. Good on you, mate. Have a great year and we'll catch up soon. Thanks, James. Thanks, buddy. See you, mate.